she's unable to join. And I'm going to invite her for the freaking third because these stupid Instagram words when we rehearsed it 10 minutes ago. Hi. So dumb. Hey. Hi. I faded that out. Hey, what's up? Over family, welcome to episode number four of I Kiss Alcohol Goodbye. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. And I've had two monsters today, and I'm about to have my third. Okay, so seven weeks ago, I kissed alcohol goodbye. Tonight, I'm coming to you live from Groveport, Ohio, where all the cool kids hang out, except for the cool kid I got on here with me is in <laughs> Boston. Welcome, Brittany Ginsburg at Penny underscore Buttons on Thank Instagram, you. also known as at Sober and Boston on Instagram. <laughs> but I have henceforth dubbed her notorious bbg that's right boston yeah. Brittany ginsburg everyone and like to introduce herself, i'd like to read the following post following from a post on her ig this is Brittany ginsburg in her own words fun fact i Brittany ginsburg biggest alcoholic i know am capable of bartending sober going to bachelorette parties sober along with the songs at weddings sober dancing in or, oh i already read that shit spraying the wedding party with champagne sober Pouring champagne for my besties sober and being a cart girl sober. I know this is frowned upon by a lot of the sobriety world, but it's my recovery and God, it feels good to be nor to feel normal again. And then lots of cool emojis that she put in the end of that. So I say alcohol free cheers, Brittany Ginsburg. Cheers. <laughs> All right, she's rocking the white monster as am I. Here we go. Monster number three. Welcome. Let's go. Tell us about your Tell us, tell us. Who is this notorious BBG? <laughs> I'm Brittany. Um, yeah, I'm not actually directly in Boston. I'm in Lowell right now. Um, but yeah, I got sober um, a year and almost two months ago. And ever since then, like, life's just gotten so much easier. Um, there's still obviously sad times, but um, everything's just a lot more manageable now that I'm sober. So I've just been living my life out loud and telling everyone about my sobriety because the biggest thing is like I want to break the stigma. Um, most people's addictions, well, like all of addiction is connected to mental illness. So we need to really like break the stigma of um, mental illness treatment and um, the the stigma against like alcoholics and addicts. So um, yeah. yeah, I basically- <laughs> I totally interrupted you. I was saying, did you, I forgot to ask you I didn't share your sober date. Could you tell us when what your sober date is if you didn't? My audio cut out for a second. No, that's okay. It's February eighth, um, twenty twenty one. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I'm kind of in a position where I'm uh, an adult. I don't have kids. I'm not um, married or anything. And I was kind of in a um, a spot where I didn't have an actual career path necessarily and now I feel like I've found my purpose in sobriety like um I just keep telling everybody that I'm an alcoholic and just kind of like spreading the word and everybody I talk to has a friend or a family member that they know or someone they've lost due to addiction um so it's just really important that we all um are super open about it and I, where I am in a position where I can um be more open about mine without any like pushback from any jobs um, I just feel like I'm in a perfect position to like be that person for people that can't speak up. That's, that's awesome. So tell me what, like, let's go back to this start. So you grew up, like I, I told, so, 
So let me clue the viewers in a little bit. Like, Brittany messaged me a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I don't know. And she was like, hey, this podcast is cool. Yes, let me know. Well, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together of who she was because I had seen some of her posts and I was like, wow, this young lady is like one of the few people that makes me feel like, you know, like, like I might be on the chill side. Like, it's like as she's as wired up as I am. Like she's chugging a friggin' monster in line at Disney World. She did this <laughs> selfie video where she's in the, the, uh, it, it said like, you know, it was a mirror or it was a reel. And it was like, when you're sober, but you're still the most hyped in your family, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like going yeah. crazy. Awesome. I was like, ah, this young lady, is, you know, she's right up my alley. So yeah. you, I didn't connect you to sober in Boston until um, yesterday. And I realized that I had accidentally blocked you. Your I know. I was like, what did I do? <laughs> I couldn't find you. Find you. Because I got, I'm in, I'm a newbie to Instagram. I mean, look at me. I'm a 42 year old freaking average white dude. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing on here. And so, like, I get all these crazy, like, bustacious bimbos that, like, you know, DM me, and I was like, I, I think I saw you're not. I did not just call you a bustacious bimbo, by the way. I was just like, <laughs> I think you said, oh god, that came out wrong. So I, think, uh, I think I just scrolled it when it was on the thing. Oh God, I'm so embarrassed. And then I like, I scrolled, I was like, no, no. Cause I got a whole bunch of, I was like, screw everybody. And I think yeah. I just messaged you. Well, then I realized as I'm looking at Silver and Boston, I'm like, this shit looks familiar. So I start watching it and I'm like, oh my God, that's her. I totally want her on the show. She has to come on like now. And so oh. I reached out to you and like immediately you were like, oh yeah, I'm coming on the show. And I was like, when do you want to do it? And you're like, fuck, let's do it now. And I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah! Texting <laughs> in the last twenty four hours and stuff, prepping and getting to know each other. I'm like scrolling her Instagram feed, and she had gone down and like liked all of mine. And I told her that's totally something I would do is like go on someone's feed and like like everything. And she goes, "Yeah, like a total psychopath." And so, <laughs> so, so here I am, like today, scrolling through like six years of your Instagram feed, and I texted her like, "I swear I'm not a serial killer." I just want to get to know your backstory. And it's a fascinating one. So tell yeah. us about, you got into drinking, because, you know, I know you did cheating in high school, and then um, you traveled the world. You've yeah. done a lot of crazy things. So tell us about alcohol. Where did that enter your story? Yeah. Um, I'd say, like, I mean, it starts kind of how a lot of people's um, story starts with addiction. Like, I just felt out of place. Um, I had really no self-confidence in myself. Um, I had placed the value of like looks so high. Um, cause to me, like, basically I must've just like fed into a lot of the media type stuff growing up. But like, to me, my self-worth was based on looks and in my head, I didn't look how I wanted to look. So to me, my self-worth was zero. And, um, I was never really doing like work on myself. Like it just always seemed easier to just like get drunk about I don't even remember like the actual first alcohol but I do know that um from there like I'd be in school there'd be like a cute boy or something that I wanted to talk to I slowly like it went from kind of to like be like a uh pacifying like the alcohol was just like pacifying me in a way um it went from that um like I kind of bopped around from friend groups like I still now luckily have a solid group of core friends that I've had since childhood but um like I I always just bounced around in high school college up until like I got sober 
I was just hanging out with anybody that was down to drink that day. Like if somebody is okay with leaving school, then that's my best friend that day. <laughs> so um, yeah, I guess I could have seen it a lot sooner. I mean, I got alcohol poisoning when I was 15. My friend, uh, shout out to Trish Bryce. Uh, she saved my life by um, bringing me home to my parents instead of she could have taken the easy way out and just like left me there, you know? So um, there's been a lot of little things along the way that I'm just, I look back and I'm like, how am I alive? <laughs> like, I don't even know. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's just kind of how I got into it. And then slowly, like I started um, bartending and that was just like, so like, it just started snowballing really. And then um, with the drinking came like cocaine. And then, um, yeah, I just started like dating people that would basically just be okay with partying with me. Um, anybody that had the funds to su supply the money to pay for all those bar tabs. Um, so yeah, I was just like really turning like delusional. Like I would come up with excuses of why I'm acting that way. Like, why did I lash out on this random person that never did anything wrong to me last night? And then I'd go back in my head and I'm like, X, Y, Z, like this excuse, poor me pointing the fingers to everybody else and never taking um, any accountability for my actions. And um, yeah, I just really was having trouble connecting. Like I was able to identify that I was fucked in the head, but I could not identify what the problem was and like I'd go to counseling I'd go to different um, doctors and stuff and they'd always say pill and make me better please like one of my best friends Hannah Wilson um, she recommended I go to treatment this was in like October and the guy I was dating at the time he's like oh no like you don't have a problem and that's all I needed to hear I'm like okay so I just kept going and then we broke up and I went on like a, an even worse bender than I was already on and um I was in a hotel room and like lost my friends somehow. And I ended up doing cocaine and fentanyl in it. So friend Hannah, she's who I ended up calling as I'm like, I didn't have to get Narcan or anything like that. And I didn't even know about the fentanyl until I got to detox. Yeah. I mean, I just want to like make a point to like tell people about that. Cause like, I'm sitting here, like I'm like on paper and if you looked at me from the outside and you weren't too close to my inner circle and see like my crazy blackouts you would think that i was just like this regular girl who's just um like thriving kind of i don't know like you could you could say that based off of my social media like a lot of people thought i was just doing fine even like my own mom who i'm best friends with she thought she didn't realize how bad it was because we're just so good at hiding it so uh yeah, I mean, my main thing now, like the point I always want to get across is like, we need to, at a younger age, and just like all together, just be nicer to like, kinder to people and more empathetic and understanding because I've gotten, there's some meme out there right now where it's like, I've gotten more out of like sharing my vulnerable, like deepest, darkest secrets with people than I have from like pretending like everything's great. So, um, yeah, I've just found like a lot of importance in just being completely open and honest. And um, I've gotten such good feedback um, from that. And it's helping people too. Like me being loud about my sobriety, I have literally hundreds of people have messaged me that I didn't even know remembered me, like from whenever we first met. And um, they're just like, yeah, your posts are helping me out. So for me, I feel that if everyone kind of 
anyone who's able to, like, I understand people with children, like, maybe you don't want your um, addiction to affect your kids' lives, like, any stigma. I totally get it. But um, if, like, you are in a position where you can be open about it, it is a situation where, um, like, you, you can't get fired from your job unless you're, like, giving out medication and you're also an addict. Like, that doesn't work. But um, it's basically just, like, spreading awareness that, like, we're all fucked. We're all fucked up. <laughs> it's just like, what level of fucked up you are. That like, pretty much if it's sucks. not drinking and it's not drugs, maybe it's food. Oh. My boys all the time, you get them like, oh my God, am I like the worst dad ever because I'm telling them about all this stuff and because they hear me cause or because I always had this vision of adults as, man, they've got it all figured out. And even the adults that think in my life when I was a kid, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you know, that's just something that adults do. You know, that was me drinking. I'd just be like, fuck it, I'm an adult. I'm going to have a drink. And right. that's what led to my relapse in the summer. I was like, Damn it, I'm a 41 year old man. I should be able to have a drink, and right. that was like open open the door. So why do you think why do you think our culture's like that? Or or I mean, just tell me more about that because yeah. that's so. I mean, I think so yeah, that's people. something you just opened a can of worms. Because um, <laughs> so I'll tell you a little story. So the, um, recently, um, me and that friend Hannah, who saved my life, she we went to go pick up takeout food, and it was actually at a bar that we used to go to. We'd sit there all day. And um, we bumped into someone that was a bar regular at mine, of mine um, before. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. And we were just like shooting the shit. And then um, we got to talk and he was just like, so like, what do you do now? And it just like made me realize, like I'm thinking in my head and like to each their own, I'm, I'm not shitting on anyone because I spent until age 30 almost 31 doing the same exact thing but I'm thinking in my head I'm like what are you doing dude like it's <laughs> right. been it's been 14 months you're still sitting on the same bar stool and like I got some things going on right now I'm not saying like I mean mind you half my shit's in the car half my shit's in storage I just got out of a breakup with like the best human ever and um like things are chaotic but I'm sitting here like still okay and everything's fine <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's it's like we all pretend, you know, I've been listening to this great podcast called Fucking Sober, and it's it's about the first 90 days of sobriety, and it's a lady yeah. that lives in New York City, and it's, I mean, it's, it's fucking brilliant, yeah. uh, but she talks in one of the episodes just about that, you know, why do we lie? It talks about how she started lying as a, a little girl, and how she's like, well, why do, why do any of us lie? It's because we want to pretend like something is different than it really is, and your friend yeah. that you're talking about still sitting on the bar stool 14 months later that was us you know that was yeah that was me seven weeks ago tonight when i was like right. my last this is like dana's last stand i'm gonna go down you know like in a blaze of glory and i was like i'm gonna get fucking drunk tonight and whatever and it was it, like why why i'm a grown man like right what the hell am i doing but right and my biggest thing is i would always be like no all of you need to get on my level like right. it's not it's not me it's all of you like you're all messing the head but yeah, it's just crazy how like culture is and um, really like bartending has opened my eyes big time. I mean, it took me until um, I was a year sober to even admit to people that I was bartending because mm. I was just so afraid. I felt like I was living a double life for a while there because like I'm going into bartending kind of like on the down low. Um, I'm an alcoholic. Like I didn't tell them when I was interviewing that I'm an alcoholic. Like <laughs> say that. And um but then like once i'm in you can't fire me for that like right right there's yeah. an hr person now like That's right. <laughs> um but yeah so i just um lost my train of thought sorry um 
oh my god thank you for doing that because that's totally me yeah i, I do that often podcast i'm like telling this great story and i'm like shit i totally lost it no you were just talking about oh, <laughs> just oh, like that i done. forgot what you were talking about too this is the, like this is my favorite It'll come back. of this show so far <laughs> <laughs> well oh. because oh i know like there are people I, well, oh sorry go go you got it. Go. No, that's what I was going to get at is like the bartending thing. It's that like I'll people will ask me all the time. Now I'm very open about it because um, I actually like it's not like I'm telling people not to drink at the bar. I'm just being an example for people in service industry of like, hey, I'm still a good time. I'm still fun. I'm still one of the loudest people. And like, not that that's like a great thing anymore, but whatever. <laughs> I still have a great time and I'm sober. Um, the only like the only times that like it does get to me is like at the end of the night um where i used to go out with all my friends like mm -hmm. anyone all my coworkers that i was working with and stay up all night and then go back and do it again um wow. with that now i have to just like go home <laughs> go to bed and um it's interesting because i do have to like kind of like it's two different worlds like there's the sobriety world where um all you have to do is get through the day without a drink or a drug and you're good um and you've done your job as a human being if you go out into like the regular world first of all they're like wait so like can you ever drink again like okay so wait so like you can't like just all the questions so there's just two ends of the spectrum there's like no understanding on one end and then like complete understanding on the other so that's mm -hmm. why understandably people in sobriety say to veer towards the people that know what you're going through because um, it can be hard to like you have all your own thoughts and like all day long I'm battling this thought in my head that's telling me like no like you're not you're not an addict like you're good you're you're not you don't have an addictive personality no 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 you're good like oh you've been sober this long you'll be good start you're good you know so like it's it's just crazy a constant argument in your head and then you can have outside people telling you no you're not an alcoholic like look what you've done you have a job right. you're not drinking at home alone like oh do you think right. you'll drink at your wedding someday mm -hmm. um just a lot of questions like that and and that can be enough to like add to your addict voice in your head and i think that's where a lot of relapses happen and that's like where i'm really trying to put my energy and focus my energy is into like early recovery and like helping people get past those first at least 90 days of course but like in that first year, um, trying to get people like involved and um, just, I don't know, have people feel a purpose. Cause when you get out of treatment or say you don't even go to treatment, like I know I, I have a college degree and um, I've had jobs in like corporate America and like as a personal trainer, like I've done a bunch of different things. So I had plenty of opportunities when I was out, but I felt so like, alone i was like there's no way anyone's gonna hire me i had no confidence about it at all um so i think that like helping people out like um well i guess i'll tell you about the little like van idea i have so like yeah, um please. my friend hannah and i um we're getting a van and we're basically just doing everything from like putting in um like i'm gonna put out clipboards for like these events and have people just sign up like what like circle what you need like do you need a pcp provider do you need a counselor um a prescriber um do you just need like more meetings do you need a ride to an interview do you need clothes for an interview do you need resume help and um kind of just get like um 
a group of people together that can just like kind of guide people in the right way. Cause I know for myself, like I had to get health insurance. Like I didn't do, I still haven't done my taxes in like four years. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I was drunk. <laughs> so like, um, getting it all together and like knowing that I've had all these resources and network of people that can be there and be the helping hand. Like I got a lot of helping hands in my first year and I hate to say this, but I think it's because like I'm a decent looking white girl and I think that, um, it needs to be for everybody. <laughs> it shouldn't just be because I'm a girl, <laughs> like, and guys want to like do whatever it should be that everybody has access to like equal help. And if that's just making a simple phone call, like, Hey, I know this guy that's willing to hire someone with a criminal history. Like you, you're good. You got a job. Oh. Just been like getting really motivated about that. Um, so our first step is we're going to like get the van or whatever, but, um, I just want that so we can get like all the tables. We're going to go over to Lowell on the Boulevard and then I work in Nashua. So I'm going to do an event there and like, it's basically going to be like weekly meetings, how AA would be, except um, like, it's just like a gathering of people like coffee, free coffee, free chicken nuggets, like whatever I can get to get people to come and like, just kind of have a place. Because I know that there is such a stigma against AA, which is also another thing um, that drives me insane because AA is amazing. But um yeah, maybe just maybe throwing some like different style events can like help attract different um, people because I know my life's gotten so much better in sobriety and I didn't have any plans of being sober ever. I got sober of the fentanyl. <laughs> like I didn't get sober because I was like, oh, I'm ruining everybody else's lives that love me. I got sober for that reason. So um if something big didn't happen i wouldn't have gotten sober and i really wish it wasn't like having a problem like they can see hey brit's gotten better because like the whole time i was in rehab i was thinking of mike the situation from jersey shore i'm like if this guy can freaking rebrand himself and be better then i can do that <laughs> so yeah and it's all been great god, stupid god i hate my internet um so i don't know if everyone can hear me but Recording in progress. Guess what? This is part two of episode number four of I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. I'd like to thank Anna and anybody else who joins here because our Instagram Live decided to shit the bed. Awesome. I'm like, oh no, God, it was just getting good. But it's okay because this, it's okay. It's okay. I'm learning how to not it's all be good. Right? It's all good. So, um, Anybody can share. I mean, I mean, Anna's on here. She's fantastic. Anna, you can share if you want to. Um, feel free. I give you, well, I just asked you to unmute, but you don't have to. Whatever you want to do. Um, so this will be a little more interactive. This will be the Q&A portion, I guess. Um, Yay. And Kenna says um, she's in denim. She's, sorry, I, I'm, not from, I'm not from Boston, Mass. So I, I know, know where denim is. Yeah, okay, all right. Making sure I'm saying it right. Denim, that's perfect. Perfect. Awesome. I have a friend who's from, like I did a degree program up at Southern New Hampshire University. So I had my good buddy, uh, my, my writing buddy, Phil taught me, he, he, uh, he introduced me to the term mass holes and stuff like that, that, you know, Ohioans don't know about mass holes. And yeah. <laughs> so like we were, where we, where I lost you was you were talking about wanting to go out and help people on the street. Um, you have a place called um, Methadone Mile, right? Is that like the name for the for the skid row of Boston, basically? Yeah. Um, 
And so I wanted to basically go out there with like lunch bags of peanut butter and jellies or something like that with just like a little card in there. And um, just saying that like, we'll be at this location every week. Um, and then they can kind of just like see that there are people there to help. Cause I know when you're in that like addict mode, you're very um, paranoid and you just assume since you're up to no good and you're not being a good person, like you actually just assume everyone else is doing the same thing. So it can be really hard and lonely. And um, I think if people see like a giant van, like trying to help, like and no judgment type thing, then maybe um, they'll be more willing to accept help. Because when you're in addiction, your brain is literally telling you that you don't have a problem. So you need somebody out of addiction to grab your hand and be like, it's a problem. Like, get yourself some help. Um, yeah, you do. And like, I was, what I was just starting to say when I like either talked over you or my friggin' internet shit the bed was I was saying that I used to run a, a soup kitchen and food pantry here in downtown Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, I, I know what I, seen firsthand what addiction does to people and it's it's awful and so thank you for wanting to do that and I pledge to help in any way that I can with you know the couple of years of experience that I had with um street ministry I mean I didn't get out and about a lot um like I we mostly were just at the facility but I mean it's I mean it's a rough area it's one of the it's basically the roughest uh the last you know bastion of really bad area of downtown that hasn't been gentrified and Columbus, Ohio. And, um, you know, literally the people that we serve live in woods right across the, the railroad tracks behind our church. And so um, thank you for, yeah, I mean, I see that and, and how, you know, those folks, a lot of those folks had just given up, but we also served a lot of families that were just fighting, just single moms, mm -hmm. uh, a single dad that I wrote an article about who was a phenomenal guy, because uh, there are single dads out there. And, you know, so thank you for what you're doing to to try to reach out. And, and I think it just speaks to you regardless of what your point, the key point, I think for what you were saying was when you're in addiction, like even for me, seven weeks ago tonight, it's like, I needed someone to say, you can do this. And Ooh. I had people like Vonda, who's my episode one and other folks um, like Anna is here. I hope it's okay that I'm saying your name, Anna. Um, and that, all right. Okay, good. I got a lot. I got a lot. Because if you have an issue, I won't like do this video part. Um, but I, I've made so many friends, like literally met hundreds of people in the last several weeks who have rallied around me. And you said it earlier. It's like there are people in our life who get it and people who don't. And you're living like this dual life. And what you're wanting to do is come out of that to keep yourself focused on on your goal of staying sober. It's I've got to be connecting with other people and helping them along. Um, and that's a core of AA, I know, just from my the little bit that I've read and learned about it from sort of reading the big book and listening to this fucking sober right. podcast when she goes to AA um, and yeah. going with a friend of mine a long time ago to a few meetings um, when I stood up and said, hey, I'm Dana and I don't know if I'm an alcoholic, but I wish I had what all of you have. And this is when, that's when I was a pastor and I was like, oh my God, I wish our church was this close. So, you know, oh. I consider you guys all my family. I call you sober family. Uh, for a reason because we just met but I and you said like you, you feel like we're like long lost twins I, I feel like you are it's so like, crazy like my twin sister so like um, your texting mannerisms of like of like um the spelling mistakes or whatever and just like still lighting them up that's so me I'm like I don't care what it says you'll understand it <laughs> <laughs> 
It was, um, it was great. It was such a joy to see someone who's like just as hyped and ready. And, you know, because what I did was I just descended into myself. Like I COVID, I used COVID as an excuse, but, you know, lose my job and like all this other crazy sob story shit that, I mean, I, I joke that, you know, my initials are DK, not for Dana Kroll, but for Drama King, because just crazy <laughs> shit was happening. It was like, I was like yeah. Johnny Renclot. I was like, you know, but yeah. I, I started to go down inside of that. And, and you know, eventually I just... I kind of caved and gave up. I gave up on people. I gave up on myself. Um, yep. And I was like, other than my wife and our boys, I was like, I don't understand anything anymore. I, I given up on my relationship with God and with church and everything. I mean, it just, it all fell apart. So if it wasn't for people like you who are monster swilling, you know, people of all the way from the super extrovert, like you and me to the super introvert, like all across that spectrum in every spectrum, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, how, whether you're, you know, like how you identify um, gender wise or your orientation, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like we've all got this in common that we have that addiction that was trying to kill us. So thank you. That was a big, long ramble just to say, thanks. And I'm going to be like your number one fan, number one, uh, oh however I can. You're so awesome. Yeah, I, I think like one of the biggest things that I've learned. So um, like I know you come from a religious background. I never grew up with religion really in my life. And um, I guess I was just really kind of lost. And one thing I have found in sobriety is some form of spirituality. Um, I see it differently, I guess, like um, I replace in the AA books um, with um, God with universe. So I actually that's where I'm at right from. now too. Yep. That's exactly where I'm at. Yeah. And so like, it's just been crazy because I've actually like, along with some help with some books, which I'll give you names of or whatever, if you want to put it in the um, Please. bio, but um, yeah, there's been some books that kind of have taught me to just like look out for signs and um, the further along I've gotten in my sobriety, just like from lessons that I've learned along the way. Um, I don't know if this could be maturity too, but um like I go with my gut and like, I've kind of just been able to open my eyes more and see the opportunities that are out there instead of like walling away and only seeing the negative and being like, poor me, wah, 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 comparing myself to everyone. It's like, oh. no, like I'm awesome. Like my life's awesome. I love everybody in my life. Like, what am I doing? Like I posted about saying, have you seen how blue the sky is? Like, those are magical little moments that you, no. you wouldn't have even noticed, you know, like, it's just crazy. So I guess for me, I just, I see such a difference in myself of how twisted and dark my thoughts were before. Um, I was so bad. Like I was in a really long-term relationship with somebody and I was to the point that like, there was a waitress, like at literally friendlies cleaning off a table. And I'm like convinced that he's like obsessed with her and in love with her. Like I was so sick in the head. Like mm -hmm. I would like be physically violent about it and like break mm -hmm. TVs, like put holes in the wall over such a minuscule thing. Cause I had nothing inside of me. Like I did not feel like a good person inside. And it back to what I was saying in the first episode about putting all my value on looks and all my self-worth on looks and um, not doing any work on the inside. And now that I've done some work on the inside and like I'm clear headed and I'm further away from the bottle and stuff, like I'm like vibrating at a higher energy level and like mm -hmm. I'm getting access to like more opportunities than I ever have in my life like 
um, what they say about like the energy and like the vibrations and stuff, that's all true. And I never really believed that. And now I hear myself saying things and I'm like, I sound crazy, but I don't care because I want everybody to be vibrating at like their highest frequency in life. So that's why it is like my goal to keep screaming about this stuff. Because if you think about it, like somebody could be sitting on the side of the street, like, let's say a, a poor woman is like, was like there's so much like sexual abuse trauma in women it's it's disgusting and so sad but um there can be like you can be dealt with all the wrong cards and end up on the side of the road and it's like if you if like we don't know if that person could have had like the answer to cancer you know and like they're just sick right now like you don't know that so I feel like for me now I have a purpose to like move forward and continue doing this but any other person getting sober say my friend I have a best friend who's sober and um she's now going to be a nurse and it's like she never she's one of the hardest working people I know and she's an amazing person and I'm like she never would have been touching all these lives if it weren't for her sobriety and um now she's like able to do that and then it becomes a trickle effect so she was able to save my life because someone saved her life and now I have been able to move forward and I've literally had I'm not exaggerating and I'm not I'm very humble but like it's shocking the amount of people that have reached out just thanking me for being open so with such little effort if I can like just like kind of just keep adding on to that trickle effect and everyone can kind of be like helping each other get a little bit better then that brings everybody up a little bit more and then maybe the person who's breaking into someone's house to get money for drugs won't have to do that anymore so everyone's talking about world peace but it's like we can fix it if we fix some of the mental health problems and which lead to addiction um so that's really like my stand on all that I want everyone to be doing good whereas before I did not I wanted everyone to be doing bad so I could look like I was doing good but yeah. now I understand the importance of like grabbing anyone you can to bring along with you and do good. And like, it feels freaking amazing to like yeah. be a good influence and like have positive energy, like radiating from the inside out. Yeah. And I feel, I know I'm a good person now, whereas before I couldn't tell you, like, I couldn't list off any positive like attributes about myself at all. <laughs> like I yeah and for me it was like I'm never allowed to say anything good about myself because then I'm being then I, then I'm being I always felt like I'm straying over into arrogance and you know that it's very you know it's very conceited to compliment when you get a compliment you're supposed to be like oh no and play it off and be yeah. modest and shit and you know the reality is like we, we you know I, it, yeah I, I'm learning how to you find out that underneath all this all these outer layers that we talked about earlier, this, this um, facade that we present to the world underneath all that is a lot of just, there's just this hole in you that you don't, you don't love yourself. You don't feel like you're supposed to love yourself and you want people to love you and you want to love other, love other people. But I mean, I'm saying you, but this really is just me, Um, you know, and it's, it's, and I think it's a pretty common thing for us humans and especially us American, uh, we Americans who are told that you're supposed to have, you know, you're supposed to feel great all the time. And, you know, Budweiser that tells us to drink responsibly. And, <laughs> and so I should be able to drink responsibly and I feel great. So I'm going to have a beer and then I'll feel even better. And then you right. know, when I'm down, well, I'll just have 
wanted to feel a little better, but it all circles around this thing where like we don't, we just ultimately at our core are, are not loving ourselves and letting ourselves be loved. Right. And I, I think everything that you've talked about just boils back down to love. And regardless of your religious current, yours or mine or anybody else listening or anybody anywhere, your religious persuasion or spirituality or however you want to talk about it. Like, I think we all agree that, you know, love is a, a real thing and that, mm-hmm. that when we love each other, the world seems to work better, um, that we love each other imperfectly. But, you know, it just sounds to me like, you you know, you've experienced a lot of things. I, I'm like, damn, I wish I would have had some of these insights when I was, when I was 32, you know, like 10 years ago. <laughs> So yeah. it, it's, it's beautiful what you're, what you're showing us about being transparent with yourself um, through working the steps in your program and then being transparent with us here and being transparent with people at the bar and being transparent with people everywhere that you're going in this future, um, you know, service that you're going to be doing to people. So, uh, you know, I commend you for everything that you're doing. Like I'm, I'm honored to meet people like you. I've met so many good people like you in the last seven weeks since I stopped drinking. And I, the, the Instagram sober community just really blows my mind. I, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, something off of what you were just saying um, about kind of how like we don't accept love. Um, so one book, the You Are a Badass books, there's um, a branched off one of it called um, You Are a Badass at Making Money. And um, there's a part where she talks about the little prince inside your head and that's your subconscious mind. And I love that. So it's basically saying that when you're a little kid, you perceive reality like as a little kid would. Mm-hmm. So say your parents are fighting about money. Um, this is just the example she uses in the book. Um, if your parents are fighting about money all the time, then you might grow up with the little kid attitude thinking in the back of your head Uh, money is bad because money means fighting because they were fighting about money and then you you grow up with your subconscious mind the little prince in the back of your head telling you all your life that you that money is bad so like you might be doing all you can to make money and but your subconscious mind the little prince is like throwing a temper tantrum and subconsciously keeping you away from what all the money you want to make so like that goes the same way with everything. Like for me, my subconscious mind was telling me like, I'm not enough, I'm not good. Like I, I'm the worst. And my little prince was sitting there perceiving my adult reality as a little kid would. So that has taught me a lot because a lot of the things I had to unlearn were retraining my little prince to think like a frigging grown up. So I'm not a 32 year old adult having a little prince run my life. A five-year-old perception of yeah. the world should not be who's running your life. <laughs> Yeah, and the 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 fucking sober podcast that I've been listening to, she talks about mm-hmm. um, the the narrator Anita talks about how you revert that she learned in a that you revert kind of back to who you were before um, before you started drinking, and she's she was twenty eight when she got sober, and she's like I've been drinking since I was eleven, so she's like here I am as an eleven year old girl, you know, walking around in a twenty eight year old body. For me, I, I had heard that from one of my therapists saying, you know, you kind of revert back to, or s- somebody said this that with trauma that you revert back to that, that for after your first trauma, you're always kind of stuck at that age. And for me, the, the first real bad trauma for me happened when I was 19. And I do feel like I kind of stalled emotionally in a lot of ways as a 19 year old, uh, you know, college student. And how did I cope with 
um, that stuff. I went and got blackout drunk like the weekend yep. after my dad after my dad's funeral. And so, you know, was I an alcoholic then? I don't know, probably uh, by that point. But you know, what what did how do you how do you define that? We all have right. You know, and my, you know, I have family members that'll be like, you're not an alcoholic because you're, are you drinking? Are you at work and like getting the shakes? And I'm like, yeah. no, they're like, then you're not an alcoholic. You're fine. You yeah. Yeah. When you wake up, do you have to have a drink? I'm like, no, they're like, you're not an alcoholic. But the reality is, you know, as my, one of my shrinks said, Hey, if alcohol is having a negative effect on your life, then, you know, you need to, you need to work on, you need to go to some sort of treatment and treatment just being being around other people. I don't have to necessarily go to IOP, even though I have been to IOP and it helped. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, like, I don't even remember what my original point was. So you, you pick it up. I, I, no, I pass it off to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I guess just like, I don't know. <laughs> the whole point is just to make people realize because like another thing actually this might be a little irrelevant but I just want to um, make a point of is that like I'm over here like yeah I'm trying to preach sobriety but um, I just don't want it to be like misconstrued as like I'm saying that everything is like rainbow and butterflies over here in sobriety but like it's also not as hard as I thought it would be uh. so yes it's hard but it's different types are hard it's not as hard as it was for me to sneak nips before work during work after work at family events like getting told not to drink at family events and still coming hammered I'm like well I won't drink at the family event I'll get hammered before oh, <laughs> and like, like you can't do that so I yeah well I I think too here I am on this side of it you know seven weeks in on, on this attempt after staying sober for a year and then relapsing for seven months and hoping that it takes this time but on this side I'll go well it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be so that means that I was making it up and that you know see you're not really an alcoholic because I got I got my lab my liver labs back from my annual mm -hmm. physical and I was I was fine so here I am I get this you know I feel like I gotta get out of jail free card <laughs> or a yeah. get out of death free card or whatever. But so I'm like, well, then I'm not really, then, then I'm not really an alcoholic. It's like your brain is always going back to, no, always. You, you can use, you can use, you can drink. It's fine. Yes. And that's what I like really just want everybody to know too, is like, I wish I'm so happy that I knew that going along. And I had a couple of friends who were a little further on in recovery than me. So I could call them and be like, crying my eyes out and being like, I think I was on the pink cloud. I think everybody was right. And they can be like, shut up. No, like you're, you're, you weren't ever even on the pink cloud. Like you, this is your energy. This is who you are. Like, yeah. just keep going. And um, it was like little people like that and little um, tidbits that helped me out and like helped me move forward. And um, it's not just like some quick fix. Let me ask you with regard to the energy, because as someone who I don't, I don't often meet people who are as energetic as I am. Seriously, I've only met a handful in my whole life who are as energetic as you and I, but it is such a part of who I am that when I suppress, I want to ask you, do you feel like, for me, it feels like if I suppress that energy, if I suppress who I am, like I, I turn into this brooding, like angry kind of person, especially when I drink, maybe not, but I'm always like, then it'll be kind of explosive for me. I'll be like, you know, yeah. about other things, but I, I, what's that like, 
for you to to find because maybe we got some hyper energetic people on you know listening or watching yeah uh this and what's it been like for you to really start to own who you are and i'm asking you because you're you're a year ahead of me my sober date's like february 16th of this year so you got 373 days on me and i want to ask you as someone who's got 373 days more sobriety than i have uh and who is this energetic and and like boom here we are like extroverted and energetic as as we are what's that been like for you to start to feel more comfortable in your own skin as an energetic person without the alcohol um so i'll give you like a, this is a perfect example so it's happened over time where i've gotten more comfortable like at first any social setting that i'd be in like it it's just so awkward like even up until like probably a year and I think it was kind of just like in my head that I had to get through the first year like don't be too loud don't cause too much chaos or anything like get through the first year and then like once I hit that year mark I I just like had such self-confidence in myself I'm like see I did it I really made it um no that's that's perfect that that's great so just kind of kind of stick with it basically and just uh, yeah, I guess I got to relearn how to be comfortable in my own skin because I used to be the kid, you know, that that I wrote myself. I remember we did this time capsule thing in like seventh grade English class and we wrote ourselves a, a letter that we were going to open when we graduated high school. And I opened it like eight years later and I had addressed it to Dana, a.k.a. Insane Wacko or something yes. like, I, I, like that. It was totally me when I was 13. Right. It was totally me when I was 18. It's totally me yeah. when I'm 42. And like my poor wife, I don't know how she puts up with me because um, she's the yin to my yang. Like she's the, she's, you know, the introvert and thank God, because like, if I, <laughs> but anyway, I guess I, what I, what I am taking from you saying that to me is like, just, you know, don't, don't beat myself up for who I am. Embrace yeah. that. And, and you and know what else to. is so weird about society that I've noticed is that like my whole life, I've always tried to tone it down because it's just like everyone's too cool for everything like like if you're so excited about something then like oh like it's not yeah. cool like you're you're yeah. too excited and like I don't know I guess for me I just kind of I've used all that energy now to like I I kind of try to just focus my energy into one area so like I started noticing every time I speak about recovery, I get like super amped up. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. how tired I am, how awkward I feel. Like if I'm in front of a hundred people or one person, mm -hmm. I end up getting fired up and I talk about it. And um, that's kind of been like the way I've focused my energy now. Like I realize I've become like a lot more, I've, I'm better at listening now in my sobriety. So a lot of times I do find myself like about to say something and then I mm. think like why am I about to say that is it to like prove a point like to try to show myself that I'm better than someone like to try to like tell somebody a bit like a fact about myself without like coming out and telling them like why am I saying this what reaction am I looking for um and so that's kind of helped me like chill out and be more in the moment okay. and uh, yeah that kind of helps with like the nervous energy sometimes but yeah, yeah. And I, and listening something that I, you know, even when I was an army chaplain, like I would be the one that in counseling sessions or just in shooting the shit with people, like I would always feel silence. Like I can't deal with silence and it's, and it's all born out of my own insecurities, I guess. Um, and, and so the great thing about this podcast, and you know, I think I've said this on previous episodes, but I'll say it again. I, this podcast 
you know, I, what I'll tell myself is like, well, look at you. You're, you're only a few weeks into being sober and you start a podcast. How pretentious is that? It's all about you. It's always been about you. And, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. and I just like try to ambush everything that I do. I try to just, you know, I'm like shooting, trying to shoot myself in the foot. And then I'm like, wait a second. Like, it's okay if it's about me um, right. because it's going to keep me focused on meeting people like you. And even if the audio and video on Instagram live shits the bed, then even if the zoom dies, which I think it's going to boot us off in the next 10 minutes, because we only get 40 minutes or some shit. So <laughs> it cuts off again, but this is where the perfectionist in me is, is kind of starting to slowly die. And I'm learning yeah. to embrace the extrovert in me. And, um, but to be thankful for the, the introverts too, because as the husband of an introvert, I can tell you our, our culture values extroverts and yeah, they may like when you're as extroverted and energetic as you and I are, it'll be like, oh my God, like, wow, that's like, whoa, tone it down. But, but from the introverts perspective, it's like, well, I'm supposed to be energetic and effusively outgoing like Dana and like Brittany, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think introverts feel a lot of pressure like that. So what would you say to the introverts out there who are on the other side of the energy and, or the, you know, outgoing spectrum I would say, uh, I, I want to be like you too. Yes, I totally <laughs> want to be like my wife. I'm like, oh my God, I want to have a calm day where I'm like, chill, really. Yeah. I would love to have that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, I so badly wish I were an introvert sometimes and I can't even, it's just not in my blood to even like not, not right. tell people all about my life. So like me getting out of rehab, of course, I'm like, I got out of rehab. I went to rehab. I'm sober. <laughs> I have to tell everybody. So that's why else I've kind of just embraced it. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm loud and proud about this. Like, oh, yeah. this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's awesome. It's that you, just, you just own it. I just know like, I like my poor wife, like, you know, she knows whenever we're out in public and we get, I get to talk to anybody. She's like, oh God, here it goes. And it's going to be the whole yeah. life story. And we're like, you know, tell them about our budget and God knows what. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, Dana, would you please stop? Like, stop, yeah. you know, but, and, you know, people will say to me, yeah, I think earlier today when I was like all amped about this thing and I was like, yeah, I'm on monster number two. I'm getting, I'm, I'm pre-gaming for this interview. It's going to be awesome. And then someone in the chat, in the Instagram chat was like, I wish I could bottle your energy and, you know, sell it. I wish I had your energy. I'm like, no, you don't. Oh my yeah, God. This is like, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, what's interesting I will mention is that, so like I am an extrovert, right? But I will say like in these moments, like I was at one of my best friend's weddings and um, we're all like at the tables. Everyone was going to dance at the reception. And like, I froze like my stomach, complete pit in my stomach. I couldn't find like words. I couldn't speak. I just wanted to mm -hmm. cry. Like mm -hmm. I was so pissed. I'm like, this is what I loved is like dancing and running around. I used to like at the same friend's wedding who it was like for her 30th birthday party, I was dressed up like a lifeguard with a floaty around my waist, like sweating the only person dancing for the entire night. And like, then I'm sitting there at her wedding. Like, why am I even doing the sobriety shit? Like I should be out there dancing with all my best friends. Like I shouldn't be feeling this way. And then my other best friend, Renee, she comes over and she's just like, all right, dude, let's go for a walk. Come on. And I was, I gave her so much attitude, like these random, like personalities can come out in like your weak moments in sobriety. And like, I was lashing out at her. I'm like, what the fuck do you think is wrong? Like, I'm sober. You're all drunk. You get to be drunk yeah. and like losing my mind. And then um, she took me outside for a little walk. I came back inside and like, I literally had to make an active decision to put the fear beside me. And I thought in my head, I was like, 
you have made a bigger ass of yourself. Like I've made such an ass of myself. I've fallen asleep on bathroom floors, like in the middle of my town, like in bars. And I'm worried about what I'll look like dancing to like in sync at a wedding. Like, come on. So I kind of just like got over myself and got out there. And once I broke that ice and got over the initial fear, I was dancing the whole night and I loved it. I was like screaming, like having a blast. And so I think it's important to also share that, that like there are so many moments in sobriety that are scary that even me, an extrovert who might seem Mm -hmm. like I'm so outgoing and so fun. um, I have full-blown moments of absolute sheer panic and terror where I am frozen. I cannot speak. I cannot move. Like my mouth is dry. And in those moments are when you have to make the active decision to keep moving forward, to push past your fears and like kind of just lean into those fears a little bit, not to the point where you're going to relapse, but gently kind of let yourself go into these different moments and um, be like gentle with yourself and just know that, Hey, this is my first time having a Thanksgiving sober. I might be weird. Guess (laughs) what? I don't care what anyone thinks like, and that's, that's how a lot of my first year has gone. You have to like kind of just remove yourself and not care if other people think you're weird or if, if it's weird for anybody, like who cares as long as you get through your day, that's yeah. all that matters. But yeah, preserving your own sobriety has to be like number one. And number. I always preach this as an army chaplain. It's like, you got to take care of you. You can't yeah. take care of yourself, your soldiers unless you take care of you. And meanwhile, I'm burning the candle, not just at both ends, but in the middle and like, I'm yeah. just, you know, and, and destroying myself. And now I realize like, oh my God, like, yeah, I made it a year sober on my own during COVID because I was like, fuck everybody. Like I'm done with people. Um, and, and had, you know, started to develop trust issues. And I'm a person who's like the, the consummate people person who, you know, I I raised by a, a, a lady who my, my mom is like, find the best in people. It's like, she would always find the best in people or in situations. And so mm-hmm. find myself being distrustful and resentful of people. And, you know, I just finally like, oh my God, that's different this time because of the community, because I've got people and I'm meeting yeah. introverts and I'm meeting extroverts and I'm mm-hmm. meeting, you know, on the calls, you'll have people say, you know, oh, I'm really nervous about sharing the daily zoom calls on the recovery app that I use, which is called reframe. And it's fantastic. Um, but people will say like, I'm nervous to share. And we're like, I'll get on and be like, Hey, I'm like the biggest extrovert ever. I'm like capital E 72 point font, bold face extrovert. And I get nervous um, talking on those calls. So we meet people and we find these commonalities. You find these things that, Hey, even though I'm a 42 year old average dude, uh, you know, generic, you know, American white male or whatever, I'm the stereotype of so many things. I'm from Ohio for God's sake, you know, but, but, you know, I find that I can connect with anyone on there because we all have that same thing in common that, you know, we, we understand that we, we got, we got us a problem and we need some help getting through it. And the, the great American myth is that the one of, you know, you, you know, just pull your, pick yourself up by the bootstraps and you can make it through this thing. Well, I, I, I tried to do that and I made it for a year and I, and then I, I ran out of gas and I fucking quit. So um, thank God for people like you who I met on that app. And thank God for the people that you've met in AA and for Renee and Hannah and these other, you know, wonderful people that you've talked about who have been with you and are still with you and the people that you're going to meet 
after this. It, you were the one that texted yesterday or earlier today, and you said, isn't it fucking crazy the people that you meet out of nowhere? Like, yeah. I didn't know 24 or 30 hours ago that Brittany Ginsburg is sober in Boston, and we're going to be on this call tonight, but here we are. Yeah. And, like, how cool is this? We get to have this great experience and, you know, share life together. Um, and I think Zoom is going to kick us off in a couple minutes. So I get, okay. I pitch it back to you to like wrap it up. What, what are some closing thoughts that you have for us? Um, just a couple of quick things um, I was going to say. So like um, for anything, for me, what's helped me um, one time, somebody told me to take what you can and leave what you can't, like what doesn't sit with you. I forget exactly how it went, but that helps me a lot. Like as far as going to meetings or even say something on today's show like doesn't resonate with you it's like there's something you can find um some for a value to like connect to it to your life and that's what you can use it for and um yeah that's helped me a lot and just like being gentle with yourself like it's so frustrating to be an addict you want a quick fix um and unfortunately like that's not how it goes but really quickly you're able to feel better yeah and it, it all works out so yeah I mean I guess I would just say keep on keep it on everyone yeah. um just for to, just for today that's the be beautiful thing about you know AA that I'm learning is you know it, it that we just need to help keep each other sober for today like if yeah. I can get through today and you said it earlier too which is perfect you're like I, all I got to do, it's, it's, it may not be easy, but it's simple. The task yeah. is very simple. Get through today sober, whatever you got to do, get through today sober. And, right. you know, I remember seeing a meme that was like, like what, you know, whatever you got to eat or whatever you got to do to get through this, as long as you don't take a drink, then mm -hmm. today was a win. You could have been yep. a hot dumpster, you know, a hot mess dumpster fire for the rest of the day, but you didn't drink. And that's a win, right? Yep. Exactly. Like, Brittany, this has been awesome. I'm going to start the outro music. I'm going to pretend. Okay, I'm ready for it. I'm going to try. The, I don't know if you can hear that or not. The audio is going to be horrible because I'm like playing it through my speakers. I don't care. We're going to like rave with the monster and stuff. So I got like some legal mumbo jumbo, I got to say, because this is music that I borrow. Before I give you the details on our next episode, let me give a quick shout out to tonight's music called Electro Bass Music Loop M1 by a guy named Franco. I assume it's a guy. It's marked with create. It's trademarked with Creative Commons License 3.0. It's like an open trademark, so I'm allowed to use it. There's no copyright. I claim no rights to these brilliant beats. Creative Commons does not endorse. I just alcohol goodbye or any statements or views that we have said here tonight. To view the terms, you can visit the link that I will post there. I think I've covered my ass legally. Now, episode number five is coming very soon. Hopefully this weekend, I'll be interviewing Dan Larrick from Mason, Ohio, live on Instagram, if my fucking internet cooperates. Dan is a badass husband and a father of two. He's the founder of Alaric Fitness. You can find him on Instagram at, at Alaric, L-A-R-R-I-C-K underscore fitness. He, it's a garage-based gym, delivers some amazing results. And he's just a cool dude. He's like, he, Dan's, Dan's awesome. So here we go. Thank you, Brittany. No Notorious BBG, Austin, <laughs> Brittany, Ginsburg, for being, I guess I'll go for persevering, going from Instagram all the way over here to Zoom. You're the best. Final Thank words. You so We've much. got one minute left. Final words. 
final word? All right. Well, um, everybody stay strong out there and just know sobriety is still okay. You don't have to feel like you'll be a loser. You can hang out with people and it's still fun, I promise. Hell, yes, it is. And <laughs> thank you to everyone for tuning in, especially to Anna and Dan. Yeah, for, thank for you, Anna. Here. Yeah, Anna, keep it real Woo. up in Massachusetts. Yeah, go. Yeah, people. <laughs> okay, so here, join me with it. I, I, We talked through this before, so I'm going to close with my cheesy outgoing thing. Anna, you can join us if you want. And we're going to say goodbye, alcohol, and hello, life. We will see you next time Bye. here on I Kiss Alcohol. Goodbye. Peace. Bye. Bye. <laughs>